Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so our heroes pick it up. They all get it. They all do, but Parzival figured it out while he was escaping IOI. Mm-hmm. Because he's already got it. He says, yeah, it took me a while, too. And he didn't have really much time from when he was sneaking out in maintenance worker clothes and ears gushing in blood. And he's getting his way to get new clothes and go to the mailbox and sign on. So he figured it out from the time he saw the vid caps to the time he started his escape plan. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there was a lot of time there for him to really be thinking about that. But he did. Which is an, yeah. another piece in favor of him being number one Gunter. Right, right. They figure out this bit. I'm not sure that I would have been able to figure that. Well, I've got Google, so that helps. They put this together, and they come to the conclusion that at least three people need to have the key. And I like how they kind of work through what could possibly be going through Halliday's mind, assuming that this is the case. Because at the moment, they're assuming that's the right angle of the clue, Right. And they're also assuming that three people have to get there and that those three people have to have the key. They're not exactly sure what's going to happen because at this point, one person shows up. There's only one keyhole. And maybe it's a ruse, right? It was interesting how they settled on this so quickly and definitively. They didn't really delve too much into what that means. Right. They did certainly ask the question, why would Halliday have done this? Parzival said, maybe he wants us to work together. And then mm-hmm. I think it was H who said, or he just wanted it to end in a big dramatic photo finish situation. And what do you think? I kind of like that. I like, because when we think about, let's say like the Olympics, there's always a first, second, and third place. There's like your gold, silver, and bronze. In a competition, you, you might imagine that being the case, right? And like at this point in the story, you know, my thinking is at the very least, if it requires three people, then three people have to rush in and, and do something. And then it turns into, uh, you know, you could have more references to games that have, you know, three potential winners. When you're talking about a competition and a game, the first thing that comes to mind is that whole Olympic gold, silver, and bronze. And that's three people on a podium. That's the first thing that hit me. I do like Parzival's mode of thinking that it makes them work together. Thinking about the last few chapters and how they've already been working together. Without really even realizing it, Parzival is telling them how to basically get to the same point he's at, how to get to the crystal key. Now they're here together trying to figure out how to get to the third gate together. I think having a common enemy puts you on the same team regardless. Like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. And perhaps had they done this right after the stacks had gotten blown up, they could have avoided all this drama. Can you imagine if this book had been written from the angle of Parzival being an absolute dick? First off, there's the file thing and the arty thing, so sort of a lecherous dick at that. But what if his thought was, shit, they're going to kill off some competitors. (laughs) Better for me. You know what I mean? Like If they were truly all in it for just themselves, you know, truly 
independent gunters, it sucks to think that your competitors could potentially be killed. But at the same time, you know, ends justify the means. Fuck, I, I'm trying to win. This is as big as the world. This is as big as everything that touches everyone in humanity. Why don't we up the dickhood a little bit okay. and say, oh, I better make sure they don't get killed so we can get to the gate. We'll open it. And then he looks over at his friends and then blasts them away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your help, man. Pew! Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Like, he's just using them. The ultimate dick move. That would be a pretty ultimate dick move. Right. It'd be hard. And the fact that he kind of trusts the others, too, right? My biggest concern would have been Shoto and Daito. Well, now just Shoto. I'm so proud of you for getting that right. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The fact that there's so little trust always makes me concerned. Like, somebody who doesn't trust me makes me feel like I should not trust them. Sure. Absolutely. You mean, do you ever, you ever have that feeling of somebody who, who just continually questions you and just doesn't trust you? I find, I find liars are, are the most suspicious of other people lying. Yeah. Right. So my biggest concern would be Shoto turning on me. I would, I, you know, I'd be kind of watching each other's backs. Like, it feels like there should be more suspicion amongst these four than is written into the book. Yeah. There's just a lot of things taken on blind faith it seems like and you Mm -hmm. just kind of have to wonder why would you in that situation do the same thing yeah yeah and even between let's let's say h and z you know if it's between the two of them like surely they'd had the conversation i'd imagine like you know you always see those things as kind of like you know if it just comes down to you and me man you you know i'm gonna kill you right (laughs) You, you know i'm gonna off you you gotta understand that i'm in it for me you're in it for you we respect each other but when it comes down to it i'd kill you it's like, yeah, yeah, Z, I'd kill you too, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Then they hug it out. Then, then they hug that shit out. It's kind of, but we're not there yet, so it's all good. I guess he could have wrote in more contention at this point, but he didn't, because I, I kind of like that the characters have kind of come together to get each other's back a little bit. Like they've been forced into a situation where they have to, they value each other to work together. Parzival and H have this history. They have a relationship. So I can see H being almost instantaneously trusting of Parzival, whatever he's saying. Like we said before, he went to Helen back and he's there with them right now. H getting on board quickly makes sense to me. Shoto, I mean, he does not have the same relationship history that H does with Parzival, but they did mm-hmm. have that moment where they shared each other's first names. Where Z looked into his eyes. And then they just made out for like an hour. <laughs> What what chapter was that in? <laughs> it's in one of the missing chapters that hit the cutting room floor. That, that's someone's fanfic. Right, go on. Yeah. It was a moment of... <laughs> they have a, a camaraderie. Yeah, that was exactly the word that I couldn't come up with. We talked about this where the sharing of their names was like the ultimate trust. So now they have that kind of bond. So right. I can see now Shoto being the second to kind of get there. But Artemis, we see Artemis in this chapter kind of waiting to see how the others are going to react before she decides if she's in or not, whether she's sticking her hand in the pile. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me. I still will always wonder why didn't they question it more, but I can also get there in a bit of a roundabout way. 
uh, albeit forced, but but they've still kind of come to this place where they respect each other and they're not going to turn on each other. And it would have been a darker book <laughs> had one of them been like, ha ha, I suckered you into finding the clues and giving me the answer. Or maybe all along H was like, I played you like a fucking fiddle Z. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that have been fun? <laughs> you know, I gave you the hint to the next because I knew you'd find the hint to the crystal key, right? I needed you. I might have thrown the book and... across the room if that happened. I'd been like, no, H, don't <laughs> do it. Artex. <laughs> and I'm not the person you thought I was. You know, just like this whole level of, like, uber level of multiple deception. Like a Scooby-Doo moment? Yeah, like you pull off the mask. Old man hithers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have gotten it too if it wasn't for that pesky Z. <laughs> but but you know it, it would have been a darker book if there had been some betrayal. But at the same time, it would have been kind of like uh, yeah, I could kind of I could I could kind of see somebody doing it for themselves or being in on it. Like you shouldn't have you shouldn't have turned your back to me, Z. Somebody would <laughs> say that Parzival has betrayed Artemis and her trust. Yeah, yeah. Like I could say, I, all of them have a reason. This is this almost plays out like Clue, doesn't it? Like all of them have a fucking reason to kill someone. I'd say all of them have a reason to kill Z. It's just a matter of with what and when. Wow, this this got dark. All of a sudden. What? Why? Yeah. Why do they want to kill Z? Well, first off, they're keeping their eye on the prize. Oh, I see, you know, I see. but second, I can imagine H being like, "Remember those times you you pissed me off at Joust and rubbed my face into it? This is for that." You know, remember what you said about the Andorians? Yeah, fuck you in the Endorians. Yeah, you know, or Artemis being a, uh, you know, Artemis going all, you know, I suckered you into loving me, and this is what you get, or that—that's what you get for looking at my real life pictures, you asshole. Pew. And Shoto being, <laughs> you just shouldn't have trusted me, you dumbass. I'm really Dido. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Playing the what if game. Now looking at this chapter, it's kind of like you're getting, we're bubbling to the end. And and you could imagine deception being on anyone's mind because everyone wants the key. And, you know, what would happen at that last moment when they would all funnel down to one person or, you know, funneling down to that one person? What would happen? What gloves would come off to make that happen? And I'm not sure that it crossed my mind at this point, but it crossed, you know, when I first read the book, because I think I just wanted to get to the next chapter. But now looking at it, not knowing what's going to come next, I kind of wonder that now. It's an interesting thing to Monday morning quarterback. Mm, right. How would you have written it differently? Yeah, like if they all entered the gate together, which at this point we don't know what's going to happen. Let's just put that out there. We don't know. <laughs> it starts off with them all walking through the gate. Hand in hand. One person starts to walk a little bit faster. And the other people walk faster, just a smidge faster than the person walking fast. And it turns into a full-blown sprint. And then H trips Z. Yeah. <laughs> and it devolves very quickly from there. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, what happens when you put too many people into a venue and that venue catches on fire? People just fucking step on each other and everyone dies. Yeah. That would have been a shittier story, arguably. So moving beyond that, they at least accept the fact that it's going to require three of them. But of course, the problem here is, hey, there's that freaking shield. Yeah. What are you going to do about that shield? Yeah. Now, you want to talk about things that they just kind of take Parzival's word on. It's that he's got that shield thing figured out. Wouldn't you want more information? Well, he says you have to trust me. I wrote this. We're going to get everyone together. I'm going to send out an email because that works. We're going to spam everyone 
first off, think about that. Could you send an email to everyone right now if you wanted to? No. No one cares about what I got to say. Well, I guess that's true. Like, I guess if you're following Parzival and Parzival puts a video up that's him reading this. But it says he put together an email. The solution here was, oh, so you're just going to spam everyone and then you expect them to show up? So my question here is, who the fuck would be able to spam using email everyone? I don't think he literally expects that he's going to be able to email everybody. I think it's presented that way, but he, he says, post it on your blogs, put it on your POVs. They're the most popular avatars. Sends it off to everyone he knows. Everywhere. And it, it's just, yeah, it's like they're sending all the ravens. Yeah, I see word getting out. Yeah. It would go viral as fuck. Yes, right, right. Yeah, particularly if it was from the Parzival, you know, like posted on his his vid feed. Yeah. Right? Or something along those lines. So I, I suppose I could see that. I suppose I could see Especially that. Especially since he never showed his avatar's face on his POV, that mm-hmm. would be a big deal. That would be a big deal. Right. If I was a gunter and I saw that, I'd be like, fuck it, we're going to go to war. It would be like somebody showing up on a screen wearing the Guy Fox mask. Right. Uh, anonymous. Yes, anonymous. Thank you. It would be like that. Like, oh, yeah. what is this guy? Who is this? Oh, it's Parzival. He's got something to say. Let me listen. For he is the Lord Almighty. Right, right. Particularly if it came from an authentic source. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. But still, there's this thing of, you're just going to have to trust me. The shield will go down in about 36 hours. I guess we've already established that they all trust each other at this point and that they're going to get on board with whatever he's got to say. So what's one more thing? From a story perspective, I get that you don't want to ruin the surprise for the next chapter or the next couple chapters. But from a, hey, you're just going to have to trust me perspective, we've got to explain that. Like he's told him everything else. I broke into IOI. I got your files. Here are your files. I broke out. This is how this happened. He detailed that shit. But when they're like, hey, there's that giant fucking force field. I got that. Well, how did you handle that? You're just going to have to trust me. It's going to come down in 36 hours. Well, why wouldn't he explain that? Yeah, I don't know. And we can't say because another chapter is going to detail it and it's going to be a surprise. That's not thinking from the perspective of him dealing with his three at the moment closest friends. But think about it. How many times have you had a conversation with somebody who you do trust completely? They'd say something and you say, well, how? What, what do you mean? And they say, just, just trust me. And you're like, no, tell me, tell me, tell me, damn it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many? I've done that a thousand times. What if you had the key, a key? Let's just say, figuratively speaking, well, not figure, metaphorically speaking, you have a key. Mm-hmm. And that key will change the future. And anyone who has this key could determine the fate of the world going forward. So anyone possibly taking the key. It would be a gargantuous risk. Anyone finding out about the key would be a huge risk. Would you share that key with your four closest people? And I mean, change the world on a you know dramatic scale. If having the key meant that there was a gargantuous risk to the future being altered from your plan, would you share that with anyone? I guess from that perspective, the thing is, they're showing a significant trust in him, and it seems like he's not showing trust in them. Well, on a second, they don't have anything that's going to change the future. They do not have the key. Whatever trust they're showing in him is not risking their lives. And they don't have anything that's going to change the future at this point. I mean, having the crystal key won't get you past the shield. So so you think that him saying, just trust me on this, guys, is more about protecting them and the plan? Nope. I think it would be more about protecting the Oasis. Because think about this. If you want to keep a secret, you don't tell anyone. If I even mentioned the plan. 
well, I'm in the oasis. The safest place for information to reside is in my head and not coming out of my mouth, right? We can admit that if I never tell you a secret, if I never tell anyone a secret, it remains a secret, right? There's no risk short of me being tortured of it getting out. But if I told you, what if someone else was listening in? I mean, I'm in the oasis, technically. I mean, you know, it might be like a, a discussion chat room in, in, in H's basement, but I don't know what could be recording me. And more importantly, if I told four other people the potential that that could leak out, you know, or that they might mention it to someone else, or that they might say, whoo, boy, I'm glad he's going to set off that one thing in that one place. Let's just say somebody just says that out loud, thinking no one is around them, but somebody is. Anyone knowing that information would totally fuck up that plan. Yeah, I guess I'll buy that. Intentionally or unintentionally. So I could see him wanting to hold that card very, very close to his chest. You know, not sharing that with anyone, because intentionally or unintentionally, if it got out, that's it. That's the end game. This one little key, this one nugget of information dictates the end game. And telling anyone else could possibly put into motion that thing being canceled. Because, you know, how easy would it be if, if IOI caught wind of that and was like, oh, well, we'll just cancel that order. Beep. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Better hope we have a backup plan. No backup. Yeah, exactly. There's no backup plan, right? So he really can't tell anyone. That's how. That's what I would imagine, although they didn't really go into it in this chapter. That's what I would imagine the, the stress would be like. It, you know, again, in a darker version of this book, it'd be your friends going, why can't you tell us? why this is going to come, why should we trust that this is going to come down? I mean, you got us information, but information's information. You're talking about taking down the force field. How's that going to happen? And, and that they're not questioning him on that, or that they're not offended that he's not willing to share that with them would make me feel like maybe he's using that as a, as a, as a one-up, right? Maybe he's trying to gain an advantage that we don't know about and that he's not willing to share with us. Maybe I'm just an asshole. <laughs> Everybody's just a little bit asshole. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it would have been interesting, again, thinking about how I might write it differently if the other characters were kind of like, why won't you share that info? I don't know. Well, if you were writing it, would you have used the word knavery? Maybe navely. Navely? Navery. Let's see here. That's right. Because he, he included that particularly fancy word. Yeah, he wanted to sound grand. Official. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he used knavery. Deception, exploitation, and knavery. Yeah. Those are some... Yeah, yeah. Those are some words. I, even I had to look that fucking word up. I was kind of like, knavery. Is it, okay, interesting. Yeah. And it is on par, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's the, an appropriate use of that word. This is one of those moments where I read it, and then I thought what Artemis said. Knavery? Yeah. Yeah. So... So, no, I probably wouldn't have used knavery, but... I kind of like one of the definitions is rascality. Rascality. I like that. Roguish. Or mischievous act. Yeah. We've been victim of rascality. Those rascals. <laughs> My favorite definition is an action or practice characteristic of a knave. No shit. <laughs> You're an asshole. What's an asshole? Well, somebody who's like an asshole. <laughs> Someone with asshole-like characteristics. But at least you, it was unprincipled, untrustworthy, or dishonest dealing. Trickery. Avish act or practice. That sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I had honestly not looked up the definition until now. Mm. And it's like, yeah, it is appropriate. Not that I didn't trust that it was appropriate or not. But I still want to look it up because maybe there's some 
good little Easter eggs in the definition somewhere. But Not so much, but it was still an apt. It was still an apt term. Yeah, but in my research of the word knavery, I did find out knavery is a five-piece alternative rock band based out of Dayton, Ohio. And did you listen to it? Uh, it was great, right? Fantastic. Top of the charts. Mm. Yeah. Look, if if you're in the five-piece band out of Dayton, Ohio, in the band Navery, good on you. <laughs> if you could tell us if your name is from the use of the word Navery in this book, please let us know, and maybe we'll have you on as a guest. <laughs> but hey, congrats, right? The branding worked. We found you. <laughs> <laughs> They're over there like, we got a hit on the website, guys. I knew that name was good. I knew it. You know, I think the one, it's like the drummer came up with like the shittiest name and everyone's like, fine, Navery, just shut the fuck up. And then he's like, I told you guys, they found us. We were found. We got hits in two states. (laughs) (laughs) The branding worked. I told you so. (laughs) All right. So still the problem at the end of this book here is that everyone's on the run because they know they're being hunted. They're all in Oasis brothels and parlors. Parlor sounds so much better than a brothel. They're all kind of in shitty situations. They're not logging in from a very private place. They're not logging in from someplace that's necessarily reliable. Mm -hmm. They're not in good shape. The person in the best shape is clearly H because he's got his RV, his hookup, and whatever, which have been reliable enough for him to become a a top gunter prior to having been on the scoreboard. So mm-hmm. he's okay. But everybody else is in, they're in dire straits. The odds are not good. You're talking about an army of IOI, their entire military force, and them, three of the four of them have to make it to the gate. Is how they're planning it. And three out of the four of them are dialing it in from masturbation booths. They're phoning it in from a phone booth in some ways. <laughs> That's exactly it. Right. And what they need is a fucking fat pipe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it. So, I mean, I mean, you think about, like, what they actually need to do what they need to do. They're fucked. They're fucked. Because you need a, a great deal of privacy because you're going to be dealing with some real significant shit. And... You need a reliable connection to the Oasis, which I don't think any of them really have, although maybe Parzival has a good one, but expensive. Right. So whether you're paying by the hour, for the minute. And we already know the kind of equipment you wear makes a difference. Presuming that they're actually going to make it to the gate and get through all the challenges within it, all the other gates have required hours of time investment to get through. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of money. If you're paying by the hour, the minute you're talking serious coin, and we don't know exactly how long it takes to get through the third gate, let alone to get past the army. I mean, it could be a military standoff. Even if the even if the shield goes down, there could still be potentially a, a military standoff. Let's say a significant portion of the oasis shows up, and now you got all these avatars in one place, and what happens? So if you're if you don't have a reliable server crashes, yeah, if you don't have a reliable <laughs> oasis connection. And you're trying to fight a battle with all these people and your internet connection is shit. Well, yours is probably going to be the first one to flake out. Right. And here's another thing is that the more people that are in a given area, when you're talking about like MMOs, let's just say like today, right? 
when you're talking about MMOs, the more people that are involved in the area that you're in, the more processor intensive it becomes because you're having to track where everyone is, where they're facing, what they're doing, how your blip interacts with their blip data-wise. So if you've ever played like EVE, for example, huge fucking battles in EVE, you can have a very high-performance system, you can have your fat pipe to the internet, but shit gets laggy because the systems you're hitting against are all trying to juggle tens of thousands of people in the same space interacting with each other, which is a highly unusual scenario. So uh, with as complex as the data is that they're dealing with, to have that many people, you would really want a top-notch stuff because I could see lower quality shit might get a little laggy. Just a little bit? Yeah, possibly. They need privacy and reliable internet and also just physical safety because they're being hunted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the most vulnerable place to be in VR really is in a public space. Pretty much. You know, you're, you're, somebody could come up and take your shit <laughs> or stab you. You'd fucking never see it Nobody's coming. Nobody's watching because they're all plugged in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So they're in a, they're in a conundrum. They're in a bad place. They're, they, they have to fight a battle and they are naked. Yeah. Digitally speaking. And what happens next after they all sit there bemoaning how shitty their situation is? Hog just pops into existence. And again, that falls back to the not giving away that last secret because you just never fucking know who's listening or who's not listening. But yeah, Og pops in. And to their surprise, he he pops in. Yeah, because he, he just shows up out of thin air. He doesn't materialize like he just beamed in from the Enterprise like you would if you were normally entering a chat room. And it's this point that I thought things were going to start heating up, like this was going to get good. But here we are, and he pops into existence, and everyone's shocked. He basically says, look, you're in a, in a space, and I think I could help you guys out. Have you ever been to Oregon? It's lovely this time of year. Isn't it? When isn't it lovely in Oregon? <laughs> Every other time. <laughs> the winter. I don't know if you've ever been to fucking Oregon. Have you seen Goonies? I mean, it's like, Oregon's kind of like Washington. You know, it kind of has its months where it's just freaking misty. You know, drizzly, so rainy. So you're saying Oregon's kind of like the weird cousin to Washington? Yes, it is. I used to live in Washington, and that is a thing. Okay. Good <laughs> to know. <laughs> no, I mean, Oregon can be beautiful, and it has its nice summer months, but it can go through its weeks and weeks of drizzle, just like certain parts of Washington. It's got to be half decent there if a guy mm -hmm. who sold all of his shares to gregarious simulation systems and now lives there, it's there's got to be some places that ain't half bad. Oregon is beautiful. I'm just saying it can be a little gray sometimes as far as the weather is concerned. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's kind of cool for him to, you know, you guys should come out. It's lovely this time of year. Like he's offering this invite that they would somehow turn down. And like in that moment, he's like, I really should convince them to come because it would really be pretty. It's really pretty out there. Like <laughs> that's an addition. Like they're going to be outside, right? So it's it's kind of a cute joke. At this point, they've come to the realization that they all don't know what the fuck they're going to do. And then suddenly, here comes Og giving them the lifeline. Right. So what was the plan? What were they going to do if he hadn't shown up? Well, you put out the message. You, you kind of have the plan to do the, just the best you can with what you've got. And you hope everyone shows up. There's a lot of shit that could go wrong here. People might just not pay attention to his message. They might just go bullshit. People might have just already given up. Everything about this plan has been under the presumption that everything is going to be accepted, that people are going to 
hear this message, read this message, and show up and be there. And whatever piece of equipment that Parsville ordered is actually going to be delivered in 36 hours. Everything. That's a lot of presumptions. It's very presumptuous. Yeah, yeah. If he's going to continue on that presumptuous path and that everything is going to work the way he planned, what the fuck was the rest of his plan? Hope that Og was going to show up and give them this lifeline? Well, they're all dialed in. So I think the plan was just to do the best where they were. You know, they got 36 hours to get in a better place. Maybe the next thing was to talk about how to get into that better place so that they could all fight. Maybe. Or to pool their money together. We'll never know. To, to make that happen. But yeah, we're at that place where it doesn't matter. They could have just said, you know, we're just going to do the best we can with what we've got. Because that's kind of what they're doing about everything else. We're just going to, what are you going to do? I'm going to send out an email. That's the best I can do. It's the theme of the whole book is that they're doing the best that they can with what they got because compared to IOI, they don't have much, but they're succeeding. Right. So the fact that Og steps in here is is really kind of a cool deus ex machina moment. It reminds me of why I like Og as a character. So we haven't seen Og since the Distracted Globe. And before that was when he was on the news program and basically giving advice to the people that had just, uh, to basically Parzival and Artemis, to not say anything about having found the copper key and in all three of these instances there's something about his character that just makes you like he is you just want to meet the guy and be like you are awesome you're the cool grandpa yeah he's always kind of the all-powerful if you will it is very much like an internet god or a god of some sort in this realm sort of favoring you and popping into an existence and saying i'm going to help you with your problem it is quite literally a deus ex machina situation and for those that aren't familiar deus ex machina means god in the machine it is a plot tool that is used by authors to help get characters out of impossible situations. So sometimes you'll write yourself into kind of a box and you don't know how to get your character out, but you do know that if something happened spontaneously, that it would help get them out of the circumstance, right? You know, a person falls into a ravine and they can't climb their way out and a branch happens to snap because the wind blew it and then the branch comes down and they're able to use the branch to get out of the ravine. That's an example of deus ex machina in a storyline. The hand of God comes down to kind of help them out, even though it's not completely obvious. But in this case, it's like pretty literal. So that would be like the piece of the airplane washing ashore and cast away? Yes. Yeah, sure. That's a great that's a great example. Absolutely. Any number of those things, really. And a lot of stories do that, you know, where they're in a bad situation and this one pivotal thing sort of just happens mostly because the author needs to get that character out of that bad situation. If you've ever played D&D, your dungeon master will do that on occasion. So, but in this case, it's literal. It's quite literally the god of the oasis, Og, is standing before them to help get them out of a bad situation, is offering them a path to get in a position where they can actually fight this battle. And with the chapter ending on that point, this is one of those chapters where I just had to keep moving. Where oh, I just, yeah. I have to fucking say that at the end I know. of every chapter, but, well, like, the, but like this was the perfect way to end yeah, this chapter. Spoiler alert, every chapter from here on out is going to be like this. You're going to be <sighs> wanting more. There, you're not going to be able to go to bed until you fucking finish. We're there. Strap in. Right. <laughs> strap in, strap on. Oh, it's that kind We're of We're going to have to drill into this. Yeah, it is. It's going to be that kind of night. Uh <laughs> Uh, so uh, tinfoil had time. There really wasn't a lot here. I mean, it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of uh, deep, deep references or, or a whole lot of hidden nuggets per se. Well, no, but I found that if you 
counted every twenty seventh letter. It spelled it didn't oh, no. it spell out nothing. Didn't spell shit, did no. it? <laughs> yeah. We only had a couple references here. We dug into those real deep and I, I wish I could say that there was something hidden. If anybody finds anything that we may have missed, that would be awesome. Yeah. It was mostly as we laid it out, sort of a explanatory, not action packed, but at least kind of that preparing for battle, I suppose. It's that scene where everybody's preparing for battle. Not much is going on, but the tension is rising. And the plan is is underway. But beyond that, I really didn't see anything here. There weren't a lot of mystery words. Uh, there wasn't any addresses, nothing like no numbers not that I saw. Other than three. I remember. Is a magic number? Other than that. But that has its own reference. Like we barely have to. What is, what is he referencing there? The fucking song. So but Yeah, but that, that's still a reference. And the other reference that we found was the adamantium. And the thing is with three as a magic number being so prevalent in this chapter. We didn't even get a third reference. So we could get three references in this chapter. <laughs> we couldn't even get a third reference. Although, if we look back at the book, three is huge. There are three keys. There are three gates, right? Okay. When we talk about the core characters, Daito and Sho to a side, we started off with three, H, Parzival, and Artemis. I mean, we've got five now, or four now, but... You know, we really, when we talk about the story really circling around a core set of characters, Daito and Shoto are sort of satellites yeah. to H, Parzival, and Artemis. And three is kind of peppered through the book in a number of places. You could say the Sixers are, you know, two times three. Okay, that, that might be fucking stretching, but. Parzival is three syllables, Artemis, three syllables. Wow. And H is, well, hmm. <laughs> is a magic number. Is H's real name three syllables? No. Ah, shit. Oh, well. That would have been nice. That would have been, that would have made it nice and even. Or oddly even. But God, that would it, have been it is interesting. Balls. That would have been the balls. I know. It's just, just shy of that, right? But it, 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 three is actually repeated throughout the book. And you could divide this book up kind of into three parts. When we previously talked about how the book could be, how the book could have been divided into three movies. Perhaps level one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah. The way the book is already divided. That's true. <laughs> it is divided into three parts. Right, right. Yeah, that's Actually, a good it's sort point. of four if you count the prologue. I don't count the prologue. It's why it's called a prologue. <laughs> Ready Player One is three but, words. Nice, nice. Okay, right. <laughs> I could go on and on. You could. You totally could. It's interesting, yeah, because you pull up three as a pattern thing, and, and we can totally kind of have that. But it is interesting, though, that the, the larger themes of the book actually pivot around groups of three. And and then we reach this place where we have this song. And I kind of wonder, kind of wonder in the back of Ernest's mind, if this pops out to him as, well, I just like the number three. And I like the number three. You know, it, it brings me back to that song. And, you know, you've got three parts of the original trilogy for Star Wars. You know, you've got the discovery of oneself you've got the uh, struggle and the redemption as kind of part of that trilogy storyline that's kind of echoed with throughout the book and so coming to this place where three things are required it, it feels like it's echoing back this number throughout the book and a lot of the themes within the book that three is just a very common thing that's pivotal to the story although not not specifically nailed down to say three is key for whatever reason you know what i mean it's not like it's going to be the combination to the air shield. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life! 
no, that's true. <laughs> but, I mean, you kind of get it, though. Like, three is a common theme throughout the book, and then all of a sudden we've got this song that deals with three at the end of the book. So it, it feels like there's some degree of importance at a very basic level. Like, there's a like a harmony in, in the number three, and we're literally talking about the harmony of the number three in this freaking song at the end of this book. It's, it's almost like the reason why he wrote the book he, the way he did. Well, three is the magic number. Duh. I bet he just couldn't get a rhyme for the fourth riddle. <laughs> fourth. It's like, fuck it, I got three riddles, I'm good. How about, how about three keys and three gates? That seems about right. It's enough. It's enough. I think that's as much tinfoil as I can imagine, given this chapter. I was going to say that my tinfoil hats are the cleaners right now, because there's just not, there's nothing to pull out of nothing. this chapter. Right. Well, if anyone listening is able to pull anything out of this chapter, is able to find any any hidden nuggets that we may have skipped over, which is totally possible, uh, let us know. Let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Twitter. Or just reach out and email us. Of course, you can always search us. Really, if you just search for Get to the Good Part podcast. GTTGP.com. Yeah, then you're going to find all of our stuff. And you just reach out and say, hey, episode 32, you missed that shit. Believe it or not, that happens. Are we? I think we've wrapped this up. I think we've We've bled this rock. Yeah, three times. <laughs> we we juice this rock for all it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We have squoezed those adamantium balls. Mmm. Gross. <laughs> Folks, it's been fun. This has been good to the good part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we'll see you on chapter 33. Three, uh, three and three. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> See you guys. See ya. <laughs> Somewhere in the ancient mystic trinity, you get three as a magic number. The past and the present and the future, faith and hope and charity, the heart and the brain and the body give you three as a magic number. It takes three legs to make a tripod or to make a table stand. It takes three wheels to make a vehicle called a tricycle. Every triangle has three corners. Every triangle has three sides. No more, no less. You don't have to guess. When it's three, you can see it's a magic number. Three, three. That's the hint. <laughs> That's the fucking secret. <laughs> the three, the three was to warn us about chapter 33. No, it's like that Jim Carrey movie 23 where he just focuses on the number 23 and like goes a little bit cuckoo. Everything has 23 on it. Yeah. 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 You know what? I purposefully avoided that fucking movie because I'm a very pattern person. Everyone's a pattern person. Let's just, you know, get that off the table. We are, we are pattern creatures. That's, we are fucking fleshy wet simulators is what we are are we moist that sounds very much so uh we have a chewy nougat inside how about that mm. uh <laughs> uh but but i avoided that movie because that is so true when you focus on a pattern it comes to light it's as if you tell the back of your head 
the shit that you're filtering out, don't filter out this thing. And everything that relates to that just boils to the surface. So, I, you know, my fear was watching that movie that I would come away crazy like Jim Carrey is today. Oh, he's fucking off the wall. Yeah. Did you watch that documentary, uh, oh, Man Jim and Andy? Oh, God, yes. That was yeah, fucked oh my, up. Oh, my God. Wow. Like, I followed his career for a majority of his movies. You know, I, I think I missed the one where he went and bought a movie theater. Uh, but I think that's it. Like, I think I've seen everything else. And even the one where where vampires were trying to chase him down because he was a virgin. I don't even know what you're talking about. but Yeah, yeah, that was a movie where that happened, right? After seeing that documentary, ah, wow. And then, and then the stuff that he's kind of been doing lately, like it just he's just kind of preaching a bit. It's it's a little weird. And he's been doing art too. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I saw that, and when he was interviewed on comedians get in cars getting coffee, the the mm-hmm. art that he's been doing. This, I think that's where I saw it. Okay, well, I didn't see that, so I, I'm really, you know, my my judgment's purely superficial. It's just been based on the the few things I've seen and some of the the posts or tweets, whatever he's done. And it's just kind of, I don't disagree with him, but he definitely is more like the crazy guy on the corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I may not disagree with you, but you are still a crazy guy on the fucking corner. And that makes me not want to agree with you. <laughs> then don't watch the movie Pie either. I did watch the movie Pie. Oh, that's, that doesn't that be like your worst nightmare? No, because I can't do math like he can. <laughs> But it's all about finding patterns. It is, but I can't see the patterns. Like, like 23, I can fucking see. The patterns that they were talking about in Pi were so complicated that it was just, you know, you just say he could see patterns, and they're complicated, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Oh, hold on a second. Let me get a drill and put a hole in this side of my head, and we'll, fu- we'll fix that fucking problem. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> I've already seen it. Oh, I know. But anybody else. So I... My wife and I had this deal. She had to watch the movie Pie, and I would watch. It wasn't a documentary, but it was a, it was a music kind of like a music documentary. But it was about Jim, not Jimi Hendrix, uh, but somebody else whose name started with J. Help me out here. I am the Lizard King. What the fuck is his name? No idea, dude. Seventies. What the hell's his name? name? Jim. It starts with a J. I think the Doors. Oh, Jim Morrison. Damn, fuck me. God, yes, Jim Morrison. Guys, okay, so it starts with a J, right? Okay, so when Val Kilmer did the movie The Doors, yeah, I have no love for The Doors. I don't hate them. I just don't like the music. Like, it just, it grates me. It's just, you know, maybe I just have no taste. People would be like, oh my fucking God, you don't like The Doors? No, I don't like The Doors. So we made a trade-off, right? I would watch The Doors movie, and she'd watch Pie. And I think in that night, we both lost. Because I did not come out loving that, loving the Doors, <laughs> and she did definitely did not come out loving Pie. I have not seen the Doors movie. Okay, I don't think you're missing anything unless you just like Jim Morrison. I don't mind the Doors. I, there was a period in my life where I listened to them a little bit more and was getting into the '70s music, but I honestly haven't listened to a Doors song voluntarily in a long time. Yeah, every every Doors song sounds. You know, it's it's heavy fucking organ. And it's mm, just great. Great on my fucking nerves. <laughs> Needless to say, we will not be doing a fucking episode on the doors. 